My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and let's get creepy. Welcome to February's Haunted Happy Hour. Woo! And in this Haunted Happy Hour, our second of the year, we are going to be discussing asylums, Ooh. which is both sad and creepy. I know, right? <laughs> there was a lot of sad. Sad mental health stuff. Like, mental health Man. stuff is still sad, but it the development of it is just real sad yeah so on that note <laughs> just gonna drink some wine back in the old days they would have locked us up for this <laughs> that's fucking true we would have been in one of these asylums i'll drink that too a lot of alcoholics went in asylums that's true i got some stories about that and just women in general yep <sighs> A lot of those. So, as you guys know, in Haunted Happy Hours, we're very unstructured. The mic quality is probably terrible. Mm. Well, the mic is good, but, like, we just kind of back up a lot. We're not quite as disciplined about the sound. Even though I just put some new acoustic panels up this month, I have one side of the wall done, and I have the other ones that just came in. So, we'll see if that helps at all. That looks so good, too. Yeah. Getting all professional up in here. <laughs> and it's even be... spooky still. Black and red. I know. So we are going to be discussing some asylums from all over the world. I have most of mine are from the United States, except for one, I think. But it's a sensitive topic, so we're not out to disrespect the field. Maybe a little bit, but just from what they did to the residents. But, you know, we'll just go through and talk about some of the paranormal activity around some of these places and talk about kind of the history behind it. So yeah, definitely. So to start off. Uh, kind of per usual. Here's some history on when asylum started or how they started. In the Islamic world, European travelers would write back and wonder about the hospitals that they had for mentally ill. And in 1872, they even built a hospital in Cairo to take care of the insane. But this was a drop in the bucket for a growing problem. In Europe, during the medieval era, the small subsection of the population of whose of those considered mad were housed in institutional settings or were held in a variety of settings like monasteries and a few towns even had towers where madmen were kept you know think like hunchback in notre dame mm. hospitals would also have a few small cells set aside for lunatics mental health laws and practice began in 1285 so my first hospital is actually before that a little bit saint mary bethlehem hospital wow which is came from 1247 Damn. in England, all right? It's from London. And this actually created our term bedlam, which means confusion and hectic scenario. This psychiatric hospital was so horrible that its name is the origin of bedlam, a scene of uproar and confusion. The facility was filthy. Patients were kept locked up in chains. Treatments bordered on torture. Residents were put on display publicly, and neighbors complained about the sounds of crimes, screechings, roarings, bawlings, shaking of chains, swearings, frettings, chafings. Men were routinely starved and chained naked to walls. One of the distressing treatments invented by Erasmus Darwin, who was the grandfather of Charles Darwin, Jesus. by the way, was called rotational therapy and involved putting a patient in a chair suspended in the air who was then spun round for hours. Oh my God. No one they throw up? They would let people come in and pay to spin it. Jesus. They were circus freaks. Yes. A notorious aspect of Bethlehem was its availability to the public and wealthy patrons would often pay a shilling to gop at the unfortunately unfortunate souls locked in the asylum. Meanwhile, in the 18th and 19th centuries, patients were dunked in cold baths, starved, and beaten. So, that's basically what happened way back when. 
Now, there's some new construction going on, actually, that has unearthed a lot of this. Or, I guess, fairly new construction. Yeah. The Liverpool Street Underground Station was opened in February of 1874 on the site of the original Bedlam Hospital. Former patients haunt this busy section of the London Underground. One compelling sighting happened in the summer of 2000. A line controller spotted something strange on the CCTV camera that he was mounting that showed the Liverpool station. It was 2 a.m. in the morning, and the station was closed for the night. This witness saw a figure wearing white overalls in an eastbound tunnel. He became concerned since he knew no contractors worked the station this late at night. He called his station supervisor to report what he was seeing on the screen. The supervisor went to investigate. The line controller watched as his supervisor stood nearby the mysterious figure. So he was confused when his supervisor called to say he had not seen any figure. The line controller told his boss that the figure had stood so close to him that he could have reached out and touched it. Mm. Hearing this, the supervisor continued to search for the figure. Again, the line controller saw the figure Mm -mm. walk right past his boss Mm -mm. on his screen. Mm -mm. But again, his boss did not see the figure. Mm -mm. The supervisor, finally giving up, went to leave the station. But as he did, he spotted white overalls placed on a bench that he had passed before. He stated that they could not have been placed there without him seeing who did it. Not that reminds me of that scene in The Grudge. (laughs) (laughs) Even before the Liverpool station was built, the area where the hospital stood was considered haunted. Between 1750 and 1812, many witnesses reported hearing a female voice crying and screaming. It is believed that this is a form of patient of Bedlam. And, a third story, Rebecca Griffins was buried in the area. While alive, she she always frantically clutched a coin in her hand. Witnesses state they hear her asking where her half penny is. Her half penny. That's That's sad. creepy. Yeah, that's fucked up. All these are actually real fucked up, so... Yeah, they don't get better. Buggle up, guys. I don't know if I would be, like, seeing a dark figure. I wouldn't just be, like, if if I saw a dark figure on my boss, I'd be, I wouldn't just be like... I don't know. I don't know how he was. But I wouldn't just be like, did you see... Uh, I'd be like, hey! <laughs> you yeah. know, I'd lose no, it. No, dude, it definitely... You're right. It sounds like the grudge. Like, when she's coming at the yeah. camera and the guy goes in the bathroom to look for her and he's fine. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. So my first one is Danvers State Hospital. Danvers State Hospital was a psychiatric hospital built in 1874 on Hawthorne Hill, where the Salem Witch Trials judge, John Hawthorne, once lived. The hill is in Danvers, which was originally known as Salem Village until its official name changed in 1752. Really quick, that's kind of interesting that I just gave you the grandfather of Charles Darwin, and this is the grandfather of Nathaniel Hawthorne, who's an author. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Got some good history going on Mm -hmm. here. And also, this is interesting because Salem and there were actually witches that were, well, alleged accused witches put in Mm -hmm. Danvers. So... Construction of the Gothic-style building made from locally sourced red Danvers brick began on May 1st, 1874, and took four years to complete at the cost of one and a half million during a time when much of the country was still recovering from the financial strain of the Civil War. The design totaled 313,000 square feet in size and 1,100 feet in length and was nicknamed the Castle on the Hill by the locals. By the early 1880s, overcrowding had already become an issue, with the hospital housing around 626 patients in 1881 and around 788 patients in 1885. As reported in the 1885 annual annual report of the trustees of the Danvers Lunatic Hospital. The problem of overcrowding continued even after purchasing 100 more acres. Many accounts report the physicians and staff could not keep up with the growing insane population, leading many to question as to how these lunatics were being cared for. Lunatics is their word, not mm. my, just, that's a common theme and up until even like the 50s and 60s as lunatics. Just throwing that out there. 
1948, the first lobotomy was performed at the hospital, and in the 1950s, electric shock therapy was introduced. So you can imagine how many patients were subjected to these procedures as the guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. In between, the hospital was apparently so understaffed that bodies were not found until days later. The history of this place is so rich that it is said to have influenced H.P. Lovecraft's Arkham Sanitarium, Sanatorium, excuse me, the video game Batman Arkham Asylum, and the film, the demon film Session 9. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you ask and what they're into, most of the hospital has been demolished except for one part that is now apartments. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live there. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, there have not been many paranormal experiences near the grounds. Before the majority of the buildings were demolished, a woman that lived there as a child said she saw the ghost of a woman standing at the foot of her bed for a few moments before it tore the covers off of her. Nope. Nope. (laughs) And disappeared. And I disappeared. That was the day. I moved out in the middle of the night. (laughs) Well, this was kind of before it was even an apartment. So she lived here, I think, like, it was, like, right before it had been demolished and they were still kind of figuring out what to do with it. It only happened once, but it scared her so badly Fucking a, that man. she slept with her mother for weeks. <laughs> Fucking A. Yeah. Many local residents have reported seeing fleeting apparitions, but the grounds are so heavily guarded that the ghost hunters and paranormal enthusiasts are not granted permission to explore most of the grounds today. So it's almost like when I was reading about this, I was like really looking for paranormal things and there's nothing. There is a an hour video that you can find of a security guard doing like a thorough walk of the grounds, but I wasn't going to watch an hour video. Mm-hmm. And apparently some, th- some people say you can see like faces and windows, but it's almost like they, they are hiding mm-hmm. things. Like they don't want yeah. paranormal investigators on no, these I've grounds. No, I've definitely gotten that too with a lot of these asylums. You yeah. don't have new ghost stories you just hear the horrors of what fucking happened that for sure made ghosts like yeah like this one like i said is so they just they will not let you in there it is guarded by security 24 7 by these companies that do not let people in or near the grounds probably because they don't fucking want you in there Mm -hmm. and that wouldn't surprise me especially if they were just dumping bodies and unmarked graves and using them for lobotomies and experiments which is a common theme throughout all of these that you're going to hear Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did some fucked up, horrible, painful things to these people that may not have even actually been insane. Like, insane was a very loose term, which we'll talk about, especially in my next one. Like, I'll get there, but, like, it was a very loose mm-hmm. term. That's actually what I have right in my, my next one. Great. <laughs> Topeka State Hospital. I also wrote down the years that these started because it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So, 1872. In the early 1900s, there were rumors of patients being abused, neglected, or raped. Patients were Jesus. often left confined or chained for long periods of time. The hospital received further criticism for treatment of patients when, in 1951, it was discovered that patient John Crabb, a 59-year-old immigrant from Denmark, was in fact not clinically insane and had been wrongfully incarcerated at the hospital. Mm. Another story? Stephanie Ulrig worked as a music and activity therapist in the general hospital population. One of the patients at Topeka State Hospital was Kenneth D. Waddell, who had been placed in the custody of state mental health authorities after having been found not guilty by reason of insanity for the charge of aggravated battery. Waddell was initially placed in the Larned State Security Hospital, but on April 1st, 1987, he was transferred to the Topeka State Hospital, where he was placed in adult forensic ward. 
which that's cool. He's kept away, right? Which was a special unit secluded from other units because it contained higher risk patients. This unit was closed due to budgetary constraints and Waddell was eventually moved into the general population. On February 23rd, 1992, Ulrich and another therapist took Waddell and other patients off grounds to watch a movie. Upon returning to the hospital and dropping off the other patients, Waddell attacked and killed Ulrich and her body was found in the oh bathroom in one of the buildings on the grounds. So this is about something a patient did to a... Yes. Wow. Usually... You have to remember, also, there are some scary patients that should be locked yes, up. That yeah. these people are getting left with. Yeah. Like, the Danvers one that you just talked about, I remember a lore episode talking about it, about yeah. how a guy was killed by a group of other inmates and stuffed under a bed for, like, weeks. Yeah. Well, and that's what... That's Like, terrifying. when it said they bodies wouldn't be found yeah. for a long time because the staff was so overwhelmed yeah. that they just didn't even know that people were dying. Newspapers from the late 1800s were filled with reports on the abuses happening inside the insane asylum at Topeka State Hospital. In one particular case, a witness came forward with information about an inmate named Dodd. The witness claimed that he had seen an attendant kick Dodd on numerous occasions. Dodd was often knocked to the ground and the attendant would jump up and down on the inmate's chest. Sometimes Dodd would be strangled. On his final beating, Dodd was knocked down and the witness stated that Dodd was dragged into room 18. The door was shut and the witness heard noises that sounded like a struggle. Finally, he heard a groan from within the room, and Dodd was eventually carried out, dead from whatever had happened inside the room. Mm, gross. Now, that's a poor inmate who's yeah. trying to get better, yeah. who's just got fucking killed. Yeah. Well, and that's sad, because there are horrible people there that are criminals, and then there are actually mentally ill people, and then there are people that just get locked up there because... Society doesn't Mm -hmm. know what to do with them. Or there's guards that decide to use that as a power play. Exactly. So this one's actually not from the United States. This one is in Australia. Cool. Which is not any better. (laughs) All it took to to lock you up in the former Mayday Lunatic Asylum in Australia was a disgruntled spouse or friend and a doctor that was on their side. Which happened far too often, especially to women that had husbands that wanted to remarry or that felt their wives were not obedient enough. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Once a patient had arrived at Beechwood, reports that remained describe horrific treatment and little hope of ever escaping back into society. Apparently, 9,000 patients died over the course of 128 years until it closed in 1995. The term mentally ill here was used so loosely that Beechwood was used as a common threat for insubordination. Today, there are reports of people still lingering. Surprisingly, the most recognizable one was of the better people at Beechwood. Like the uh, the most recognizable person, like as a spirit, still lingering. 70 people a year. Yeah. Jesus. Uh-huh. A shining light for the patients there was a nurse named Matron Sharp, which I made a note of this one. There were actually a couple of ghosts here, but you usually hear about patients that are still there or like horrible things. But specifically at Beechwood, the fact that a a good person amongst horrific things is still a spirit there is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. She can apparently still be seen doing her rounds and taking care of her ailing patients. Ghost hunters that have gone into the building have all reported seeing the same... This is not, not cute. This, <laughs> the same elderly man staring out the window not moving, taking no notice of them, no matter where they move or what they say to him. Creepy. Mm-hmm. There is also a young girl that desperately tries to communicate with anyone that comes near her. 
There's a wing called the Gravilla wing that was where patients waited for electroshock therapy. Visitors today report that that area is icy cold. And there are there were a number of patients and doctors that there are reports that said that they would like wander the hallways in that area and mm-hmm. that they still do. Mm-hmm. One woman in that area was pushed out the window because another patient <gasps> wanted her cigarettes. And there are chilling reports that say that sometimes you can still see a vision of her body lying there from the window that she fell. And it's been seen by a number of visitors. According to one spooky legend, even the garden is still haunted by Beechworth's dutiful gardener, a man named Arthur, who was never without his green jacket. When he died, nurses recovered nearly 140 pounds, the equivalent of about four years of wages, were found sewn into his seams. One visitor claimed to hear the sounds of children laughing and playing, though the grounds were deserted. Her son, who had come along for the adventure, was caught talking to himself. When she asked him who he was speaking to, he replied that it was a little boy he'd met named James who said he lived at the asylum. Oh my god, that'll freak me out. Yeah. Kids do creepy shit. If my kids ever talking to somebody, <laughs> I'll be like, okay. <laughs> You're going to hate this next one, and I'm so sorry. Is it about a demon? No, but I have one of those. What? <laughs> This is way worse. Way worse! Willowbrook State School, 1947. Was a state-supported institution for children with intellectual disability located in the Willowbrook neighborhood on Staten Island. At the time, it was the biggest state-run institution for people with mental disabilities in the United States. Conditions and questionable medical practices and experiments prompted Senator Robert Kennedy to call it a snake pit. Public outcry led to its closure in 1987 and to federal civil rights legislation protecting people with disabilities. God damn, dude. Throughout the first decade of its operation, outbreaks of, of hepatitis, primarily hepatitis A, were common at the school. This led to controversial medical studies being carried out there between the late 50s and the 70s by medical researchers. One of the studies involved feeding live hepatitis virus to six healthy children. What the fuck? Krugman watched as their skin and eyes turned yellow and their livers got bigger. He watched them vomit and refused to eat. All the children fed hepatitis virus became ill, some severely. Krugman reasoned that it was justifiable to inoculate retarded children at Willowbrook with hepatitis virus because most of them would get hepatitis anyway. What? From who? A public outcry forced the research projects and medical studies to be discontinued. I bet. By 1965, Willowbrook housed over 6,000 intellectually disabled people, despite having a maximum capacity of 4,000. Senator Robert Kennedy toured the institution in 1965 and proclaimed that individuals in the overcrowded facility were living in filth and dirt, their clothing in rags, and rooms less comfortable and cheerful than the cages in which we put animals in a zoo, and offered a series of recommendations for improving conditions. Although the hepatitis study had been discontinued, the residential school's reputation was that of a warehouse for New York City's mentally disabled people, many of whom were presumably abandoned there by their families, foster agencies, or other systems designed to take care of them. A series of investigations were conducted at Willowbrook, uncovering a host of deplorable conditions, including overcrowding, inadequate sanitary facilities, and physical and sexual abuse of residents by members of the school's staff. Kill them all. I know. These poor babies. Like, I get a lot of them foster care. Like, that's still terrible. But there are parents that dropped their kids off thinking that it was the best they could do for them. Well, I was about to say, like, I know that foster care, the kids, like, I'm not saying it's right. But the state's just going to do what the state's going to do as horrible as it is. 
the parents, though, like, mm-hmm. take care of your kids. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but take care of your fucking kids. The state's not going to do it, mm-hmm. especially a state-run facility. They're not. Back then, at least, they're not going to do it. Apparently, even now. <laughs> like, right. with some of the shit that we're seeing now. Yeah, that's sad, though. It's that's just a awful. For kids. That's it. Apparent, they're giving them fucking hepatitis. These doctors are terrible. Yep. Well, the next one I have is the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia. The original hospital was designed to house 250 people, was opened to patients in 1864, and reached its peak in the 1950s with 2,400 patients in overcrowded and generally poor conditions. So. They were supposed to. Yeah. 250. 250 people. That's it. And and had 2,400. Jesus. How? Yeah. Beds yeah. and hallways. That's the only way. Yep. Yep. Changes in the treatment of mental illness and the physical deterioration of the facility forced its closure in 1994. It was actually designed by a man that was hopeful for it to be a sanctuary for the mentally ill. To bring them hope and healing. He was a proponent for mental illness. I was actually reading up on him. He was like an advocate for mental illness. He mm-hmm. wanted no harm to come to them. He wanted to... S- like... Yes, yeah. he's like the main one, but it, all of these, it's not like they were started to be mean. Yeah, right. They were well, even because people care. Even lobotomies, like, were terrible. But yeah. The same man who actually founded that would eventually become the American, uh, who became the same man that eventually created the American Psychiatric Association as we know it today. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. He emphasized the importance of light and fresh air, suggesting that asylums be built as long halls with 12 foot ceilings, plenty of windows, and ventilation that allowed for cross breezes. He also felt that patients should be allowed to roam the hallways and should be allowed as much freedom as possible. The grounds were magnificent and sustainable, including a working farm, dairy, waterworks, gas well, and cemetery. It was a self-sufficient, state-of-the-art facility designed to make patients feel at home, well cared for, and restored. Conditions began to decline dramatically. (laughs) As we know, because it went from 250 to 2400. Patients were crammed together with sometimes four or five in one room that were meant for one. They could no longer feed patients, thus many suffered from malnutrition. Many were sleeping on floors. Orderlies lost control and patients were running the halls. The extremely out of control ones, even worse, were crammed into cages. Soon, mm-hmm. Soon, a doctor that practiced iced pick method lobotomies opened up shop and in his time practicing performed 4,000 lobotomies, leaving perfectly healthy and physically abled patients disabled both physically and cognitively for life or worse he left them dead including children Mm -hmm. he did that on a four-year-old boy yeah this site is still open for tours and paranormal investigators ghost adventures as well as other tv shows have recorded episodes here people routinely record seeing patients walking or even running down the hallways screaming as they would when it got out of control The screams are often recorded and heard echoing through the hallways. Objects move on their own. People routinely see gurneys being pushed and thrown. People feel very panicked in early hours of the morning if they choose to stay the night, which is apparently an option. There are (laughs) absolutely (laughs) not. There are even reports of more aggressive spirits pushing people and forcing them against walls and doors and pulling their hair. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. I honestly, Ghost Adventures has a thing for asylums because they've been to most of these. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, sure. Well, they're hotbeds. Exactly. Yeah. 
Trenton Psychiatric Hospital, 1848. In 1907, Dr. Henry Cotton became the medical director. Believing that infections were the key to mental illness, he had his staff remove teeth and various other body parts that might become infected from the hospital patients. Cotton's legacy of hundreds of fatalities and thousands of maimed and mutilated patients did not end with his leaving Trenton in 1930 or his death in 1933. In fact, removal of patients' teeth at the Trenton Asylum was still the norm until 1960. Mm, I cannot do teeth! I know. The not-so-good doctor believed infections were the root cause of all mental disorders. As a result, he used surgery as treatment. Like they would eat their brains, basically. Like parasites. Like infections would travel to the brain. I guess. I don't mm. know. He and his staff routinely maimed their patients. They cut out not only teeth, oh but gallbladders, stomachs, colons, testicles, and ovaries. Cotton reportedly paid particular attention to the right side of the hindgut, which he believed was the source of depraved impulses. Ugh. Cotton claimed to have achieved cure rates near 90% during his tenure, yet his death numbers were disturbingly high. What's worse, many of his victims were dragged against their will into the operating room. Oh my god. Well, they probably knew exactly what was going to fucking happen they to them. They saw everyone else come back out if they came back out. Yeah. Fuck that, man. Yeah. If I saw anybody come back out with fucking teeth missing, I would rather fucking die. Yeah. Especially because, what year was that? 07. 1907. Yeah. The painkillers that, or like knocking people out for surgery was like not really a practice thing. Like not yeah. like we know it today. <laughs> yeah. No, that wasn't a thing. They just did what they needed to do. And they basically. were like, sorry, this is for your own good. And you were knocked out once your body went into shock, basically. Basically. What? And since you brought that up, I'm just going to do my last one. Then. Okay. Because no, it kind of runs together. No. <laughs> Philadelphia State Hospital at Bybury, 1907. The hospital was turned over to the state in 1936 and was renamed the Philadelphia State Hospital at Bybury. Conditions in the hospital during this time were poor, with allegations of patient abuse and inhuman treatment made frequently. The situation came to national attention between 1945 and 1946 when conscientious objector Charlie Lord took covert photos of the institution and the conditions inside while serving there as an orderly. Good on you, a fucking orderly whistleblower. Yep. Good job, dude. The 36 black and white photos documented issues including dozens of naked men huddling together and human excrement lining facility walls. Wait, are these photos available? I don't know. I guess I don't really want to see them. (laughs) One patient had reported that one of his teeth was pulled out without Novocaine. And then here's just a quote from someone who had been in there, okay? Okay. (laughs) Who had visited. They didn't even live there. As I passed through some of Bybury's wards, I was reminded of the pictures of the Nazi concentration camps. Oh my god. I entered a building swarming with naked humans, herded like cattle, and treated with less concern, pervaded by a fetid odor so heavy, so nauseating, that the stench seemed to have almost a physical existence of its own. Oh my god. Also, yes. The answer is yes. They have those photos? You can see some of them. I'm assuming these aren't some of the more graphic ones, like on Google Images, but I, well, some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody is men. Yeah. disturbingly curious, which we are, I am. They're on the internet. Mine are not as disturbing as that. My mm-hmm. last ones, not that they're okay. All of these are pretty disturbing because they just cram as many people in hospitals as they can, and they don't take care of them. Yeah. But that's fucked up. These, my last two are not that fucked up. Okay. My last one's actually not 
really that fucked up at all. <laughs> okay. I have two more, but. So my second to last one is the Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky. In Louisville, Kentucky, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium was originally constructed as a TB hospital and was later used for the mentally ill. With an alleged 63,000 deaths taking place inside its walls, which may have been misproven, but hang in there. The story still holds to be sad. <laughs> this place is has a lot of spirits. Not surprisingly, tops the list of America's most haunted places. It seems to be a theme that mentally ill patients were nothing more than lab rats for doctors to use for horrible human medical experiments. And rumors that this place, that they were nothing more than just that. Patients left this premises in what was known as the death tunnel or the body chute. After TB, not only was it used as a sanatorium, even more disturbingly, it was specifically used as a geriatric sanatorium. So, elderly patients. Electroshock therapy was used regularly during this time on the geriatric, and unfortunately, the geriatric could not really consent on their own, not that people really cared about consent in right. sanatoriums. The hospital soon gained a reputation for being haunted, and stories began to circulate of resident ghosts like the little girl who was seen running up and down the hall of the third floor solarium, the little boy who was spotted with a leather ball, and the hearse that appeared in the back of the building dropping off the coffins, the woman with the bleeding wrists who cried for help, and others. Visitors told of slamming doors, lights in the windows as if the power was still running through the building, strange sounds, and eerie footsteps in empty rooms. Now, these are current. You can still ghost hunt here. Other legends told of a man in a white coat who was still walking in the kitchen and the smell of cooking food that sometimes wafted through the room. The kitchen was a disaster, a ruin of broken windows, fallen plaster, broken tables, and chairs and puddles of water and debris that resulted in a leaking roof. But sometimes you would get the illusion of it being perfectly clean. The cafeteria has not fared much better, but even so, a number of people reported hearing footsteps in the room, a door swinging shut, as if it's still being used, and sometimes you do get a smell of fresh baked bread in the air. So, it's almost like it's still a fully functioning hospital on the other side. Wow. I hope it's a better run one. I mean, it seems to be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this last one, like I said, it's not quite as sad but the beginning of it was so interesting and i didn't really know this was a thing it doesn't surprise me that it's a thing you probably know it's a thing because you're much more into history than i do but i didn't know it was a thing the rolling hills asylum in new york this is also still open you can go visit this and the staff really love this place and they care for it deeply so just throwing that out there um it was very clear to me that they truly love this place and so i want to make sure i'm very respectful when i talk about this place because a lot of the staff are volunteers okay before becoming infamously known as rolling hills asylum the property was originally named the genesee county poor farm a poor house often housed orphan children families destitute elderly physically handicapped mentally unstable morally corrupt and even criminals These institutions were situated on the grounds of a poor farm on which able-bodied residents were required to work. Such farms were common in the United States in the 19th and early 20th centuries. In 1828, Genesee County constructed a stone building attached to the poorhouse of the confinement of lunatics and a repository for paupers committed for misconduct. So basically, we used to have these poor houses where anyone that was poor or basically undesirable could go and work and live mm-hmm. i just didn't really know that we just had these places i knew that we had like low income 
housing areas near like railroads and things like that. I just didn't know we had like farms to send people to basically. Have you ever heard about like pauper's graves? Yes. Like we have one in our Color Spring Cemetery. There's an area where the pauper graves are. I've heard of pauper graves. Yes. That's where they come from is the pauper homes. Okay. That's like something honestly we should do again. Right. I see. I see what you're saying. Bad part. Right. But I see what you're saying. Like. Instead of a homeless population, give them somewhere to go and work and live. (laughs) Yes, I see what you're saying. The insane were also housed at this county home until 1887 when the Board of Supervisors agreed to send persons suffering with acute insanity elsewhere in the state. Residents were referred to as inmates, no matter why they were housed there. There were not necessarily horrible experiments or procedures done, but just the sheer amount of deaths there put in in unmarked graves due to the fact that most were unclaimed orphans, poor elderly, etc., the paranormal activity here is intense. 1,700 bodies are believed to be in unmarked graves throughout the property. Paranormal activity in the 53,000 square foot building includes screaming, doors slamming, and apparitions, most famously of Rory Krause, a seven and a half foot tall giant who died there in 1942. There's also something known as the shadow hallway. This is spooky. <laughs> So named because of the shadowy apparitions that peek out from the doors. Just. Or shuffle. And crawl on all fours Mm. across the corridor. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Nope. (laughs) The peeking shadowy people they have pictures of them. Not the crawling across the. the Yeah, not the crawling across Mm. on all fours. Yeah. Nope. Yep, 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 yep. Next to the embalming table, there are two large walk-in refrigerators with heavy latching doors. Their original purpose was for cold storage of human corpses. The morgue is still rife with supernatural activities such as ghostly voices and things being moved about by unseen forces. People have been shoved and knocked off their feet here. The graveyard. Even the very land around the rolling hills is said to be haunted because it is in fact hallowed ground. The county would bury those who had no family, and records indicate there was once a cemetery located on the property, but the exact location is no longer known. The cemetery has faded away as the stones crumbled and the grass grew and the forest replanted. No one was around to care for those who had so long been forgotten. No actual cemetery register or plot map has ever been discovered. A current worker at Rolling Hills has a lot of theories as to what makes Rolling Hills the haunted hotspot of paranormal activity that she believes it is. It's the only home a lot of these people ever knew. They felt attached to this place. Some of them lost their homes. There were widows and orphans, and they developed their own family and friends here. So I think a lot of the people felt comfortable here. They didn't want to leave, so we treat our spirits like they're really living, breathing people. That's really sweet. That's why I ended with that one, because it was kind of like a warm fuzzy, Mm, but also... After all this really sad. Also, people, like, crawling on all fours in the corridors Mm. still happens there, so, like, it's still terrifying. (laughs) And also, if you look, there are, they have, like, knocked over, like, refrigeration units for bodies that they say, like, people still get, like, shoved down when they're around there. And also, it just sounds, like, scary. (laughs) So, they probably do that because they're like, hi, please don't fucking push me. (laughs) You know, they're probably like, yes, I respect you, but also, I'm scared. (laughs) Because that would be me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the asylum stuff is all really sad because this was not, like, even most of the asylums that, like, if you Google that come up as, like, fucked up asylums or haunted asylums. It's just they all have the same stories. Horrible overcrowded conditions, 
fucked up treatment, bodies everywhere, lobotomies, electroshock therapy, horrible experiments, mad scientists that just have bodies at their disposal to use and then just send down the body chute if it doesn't work that nobody cares about. Exactly. Or little orphans to put hepatitis A in. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of that, I kind of feel bad for even the orderlies because they were just overwhelmed. How are you supposed to deal with a facility that can only hold 250 and you have 2,400 people there? You can't. You literally can't. I feel bad for all of those people. They shouldn't have taken them in. Mm -hmm. Like, but what? I mean, the state's not going to build another facility. Part of that's a societal problem. Like, maybe stop putting women in just because they're women. Maybe stop... Stop. The alcoholic is just an alcoholic. Put him in a cell. Let him sober up for the night. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like we're overwhelmed with mental health stuff nowadays as a society. And they must have been crazy overwhelmed creating things out of nothing. Because they didn't understand it like we do now. Like, we still, there's a huge stigma with mental health care. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, the care is much more accessible now than it was. We understand what schizophrenia is, but we're still, I mean, how many homeless people do you see on the streets talking to themselves? And we're like, oh, he's fucking crazy. He's an untreated schizophrenic or bipolar. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we're still not dealing with it like we should be, but he's also... Not in treatment, but mm-hmm. he probably can't afford treatment or his medications. Like, it's just broken. It's mm-hmm. still broken. But we're not putting an ice pick up people's orbital sockets mm-hmm. into their brain. So we're making progress, but it's still not where it needs to be. So, you know, maybe in another hundred years, <laughs> everybody will be mentally healthy because we'll have it figured out. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I just try to go to therapy and do... (laughs) Take care of your thing. Like, I'm just, you know, doing my best. (laughs) And I'm just fortunate enough to not have schizophrenia or bipolar Mm -hmm. disorder or, you know, some of those things where I struggle with depression and anxiety and that's hard enough, but it, you know, it could be worse. And I'm thankful that it's not. Well, mental health care. It sucked. Still sucks. When's it not going to suck? Stay tuned for the next hundred years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't know but uh all we do know is that those of us that struggle with mental health care are gonna haunt the shit out of everybody <laughs> so that's what we've deduced from this we episode go. we're gonna crawl around and be creepy you well thanks for hanging out with us you guys you know where to find us on our social medias and we just wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons thank you so much to aaron ryan jesse elena cynthia madalena john connor robin and jordan you guys are yes, awesome thank you. you keep us going <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys so much and um you can always head over to patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast to join our little fam over there on Patreon, you can get exclusive content. We just did a very interesting review of this vampire movie that has Carmen Electra and fucking Adam West as the big <laughs> kahuna that's a vampire hunter. So if you're interested in that, $1 or $5, unlock it. And you also get exclusive entry into uh, really cool giveaways, if I do say so myself. So again, patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast to hang out with us a little <laughs> bit more than you already do. And until next time, stay creepy.